0: Well, happy Mother's Day. My name is Clayton Walker. I'm the lead pastor here of the City Church, if we have not met. And when I graduated from Coronado High School here in Lubbock, Texas, I went to Texas Tech. And as a freshman at Tech, I had a class called horticulture. And in horticulture, you learn about soil and plants. And I learned really quickly that I was not doing well in this class And that was uh, pretty easy to guess that that would happen because I didn't go to it very often, right? It was one of those early 8.30 a.m. classes and and I I didn't uh, get up and and go. And even when I was there, I wasn't really paying attention. And so it's no wonder I didn't learn a whole lot about horticulture. It's no wonder that I got a D in that class and didn't end up getting credit for it. It was a total waste of, of my time. It's no wonder that I can't grow a plant to this day. I can barely grow my own grass, right? Um, so I I should have gone more often. I should have paid more attention. Well, today we're going to be talking about spiritual horticulture and you got to be careful when you say that word. Okay. I practiced it a lot this week. All right. (laughs) To to make sure I, I said it right. But, but, but today we're talking about spiritual horticulture, about the seed of the word of God, the seed of the gospel and the soil of our hearts today we 're going to see four responses to hearing the gospel, to hearing the Word of the Lord, four, four responses as evidenced in these four different soils that Jesus is going to talk about and so Jesus is going to tell us, and I just want to tell you up front like before we even dive in, Jesus is going to tell us that you need to be very careful you that know, you need to pay attention to how you hear pay attention. To how you hear. Be careful how you hear, Jesus is going to say. Because this parable reveals who's really listening. Who's really listening to the word of the Lord. Who's really listening by receiving it and then experiencing the transformation that takes place when you really receive the word of the Lord. Jesus's illustration here about these seeds and these soils are going to make it clear that the issue... This morning, and, and the issue, listen, listen, the issue in your spiritual life, the, the, the issue this morning as to whether or not you leave here different from when you came. The, the, the illustration is going to make this clear that the issue is not the message. It's not the gospel message, nor is it the skill or the methodology of those proclaiming the message. That, that's not really the issue here. here here's the issue. Because even Paul was accused by the Corinthians of not being a very good communicator. And, and so because of their criticism of Paul, there were some at Corinth that discounted what the truth of what he had to say because they said he wasn't a very skilled communicator. They weren't being entertained by what he had to say, so they discounted the truth of his message. They they discounted the, the messenger, and so they missed out on what God had for them because they were determining whether or not something was true by its entertainment value. And is that not so indicative of the church in our culture today? That we go to church looking to be entertained like we're an audience. I've never seen a more accurate representation of what's been happening in our culture, in our country over the last 50, 75 years. Our our culture in America has become obsessed with entertainment, even in church. And we will determine church and where we go to church and, and what our kids are doing based on something's entertainment value. At Corinth, they accused Paul of not being a very good communicator. So they discounted what he had to say, no, no, the determining factor, the determining factor isn't the message and it's, it's not even the communicator. The determining factor, Jesus is going to show us as to whether you leave here different from when you came, whether you wasted your time or you made the most use of your time. You made the best use of your time right here in these moments we have together. Jesus is going to say the determining factor is the hearer's heart. It's the condition of the hearer's heart. Here's the promise in the passage this morning those who listen by responding to the word of God will receive more. That those who hear it and listen to it and respond to it and apply it to their life and obey the word of the Lord this morning. Jesus, there's a promise here in this passage you will receive more. But there's also a warning. Be careful how you listen. Here, here's the warning. Jesus says, if you don't listen, if you don't receive the word of the Lord this morning, then Jesus says this, that what you think you have will be taken from you. That, that even what you think you have will be taken from you. Every week there is a Weight, an unbelievable amount of weight that I feel coming into this moment to stand before you and to preach. Sometimes it's overwhelming, I'll just be honest with you. So, sometimes I go home on Sundays and, and I will sleep for hours and I will sleep. I could wake up the next morning, like go to bed after church and not even wake up. There, there's just an unbelievable amount of weight. And, and if you've been in my position, then you, then you know what I'm talking about. It's, there's, an uncre- there's an incredible amount of weight. And the scripture has so many warnings for people like me to, to, to preach the gospel rightly, to rightly divide the word of truth, to, 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 to do it without seeking dishonest gain. So the, 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 I mean, there's so many that the scripture warns those of us who are, are teachers of the word. It says, don't, 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 don't presume or be too excited about it, about being a teacher of the word because you will give an account for the things that you say and do as a preacher of, of God's word. We, the the scripture is clear. I will be held to a higher standard than some of you because I stood before you and, and, and preached this, this word. So, so there's an incredible weight that I feel every single week about this. And I'm not, I'm not trying to give you some sort of pity party. I'm just saying like, that, that's the weight that I feel. This morning is about the weight on you. There, there is a weight on you having heard the word of God and your time, see, see, what we're doing here is not just going through religious routine. There, there's a weight on you this morning because you're hearing the word of God. And if you hear it and receive it and apply it to your life, and you obey it, then there's more for you. There's blessing for you. But if you you hear it and you don't really lean in, you don't really engage, you're not really paying attention, you're kind of just bored in these moments we have together and then you you hear it and you leave here and and you don't seek to apply it to your life and you don't seek to obey it. Maybe you're distracted in these moments that that we have here going, listen, there's a weight on you this morning because Jesus says, if you just come in here and hear, you, you hear the message of the gospel, you hear the word of God, There's a weight on you that if you do not live it out and obey it, that what you think you have will be taken from you. So we'll talk more about about that. We're in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 21. This morning, Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 21. 21. We're in the middle of a series where we're going through the gospel of Luke, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. and We study the scripture here, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, because we just believe it develops a deeper sense of faith in God, a trust in God, a love for God, deeper sense of commitment to the mission of Jesus to go and make disciples of all the nations. And we're not just studying the gospel of Luke in here, we're studying the gospel of Luke in our small group Bible studies called City Groups. We want every last person in our church in a small group Bible study where they're studying the the word of God together with other followers of Jesus and they're talking about it and they're praying together. We're, We're studying the gospel of Luke in our daily devotionals this week. Pastor Brandon just talked about that. Monday through Friday, we'll break down these same verses. And then we're inviting you and challenging you to study the gospel of Luke together as a family through the table talk that's on the Bible study tab under our app on our app as well. Our hope in this series is to be drawn to Jesus. Some of us for the first time, some of us all over again, that we will be drawn to Jesus. And, and there's probably not a better picture than what we talked about last week uh, of this woman, this prostitute breaking all the social norms of the day and coming in and pouring that oil on Jesus, that perfume on Jesus's feet, crying those tears, wiping his, his feet, shocking everyone at her display of love, affection and emotion, so desperate to get close to Jesus. That's what we're talking about today. That's my my prayer is that as we go through the gospel of Luke, that that kind of heart, that, that forgiven much so I'm going to love much kind of heart that we talked about last week, that that kind of heart will be fostered in you, that you will be drawn to Jesus. You will fall in love with Jesus. And so that's our hope as we study the gospel of Luke So Spencer Harden's going to come and read for us this morning. Spencer was a student of mine twenty years ago, and look at him now. Now he's on our staff as a technical director, all grown up and married, and with a
1: with a dog child. Yep. So here's Spencer. Spencer. Thank you for that intro. I'm Spencer. Uh, My wife is Lindsay. We do have a dog. Like most people do, so uh, yeah. I'm the technical director here at the city. There's a lot of stuff that I won't bore you guys with right now, so I'm just going to read. Yeah, so Luke 8, verse 4 through 21. One day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant a seed as he scattered it across his field. Some seed fell on a footpath or was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon withered and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what, what this parable meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand these secrets of the kingdom of God. But I used parables to teach the others so the scripture might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seed that fell on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seed that fell among the thorn represent those who hear the message but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and they never grow old into maturity and the seed that fell on the good soil represent honest good-hearted people who hear God's word cling to it and patiently produce a huge harvest no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house for all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to the light and made known to all. So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, but those who are not listening, even when they think they understand, will be taken away from them. Then Jesus' mother and brother came to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Some, someone told Jesus, your mother and your brother are standing outside and they want to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and my brother are those who hear God's word and obey it.
0: Thank you, Spencer. I forgot to have you stand. So would you stand and then sit? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So Jesus is speaking to this large crowd. Large crowds have begun to follow Jesus. And as we've talked about before, he's talking to this crowd about what an authentic follower of Jesus looks like, as he would often do when the large crowds would form because he's been feeding people, he's been healing people. And so crowds are coming, they're wanting something from Jesus. And when the crowds are coming, then Jesus starts changing kind of the message a little bit. It's not just come and see, now it's come and follow me, it's come and die and, and what that really looks like. And so Jesus begins to talk about what it looks like to be an authentic follower of Jesus. Leon Morris, the Australian New Testament scholar, said this about this passage, about Jesus speaking in these parables. He said, the crowds were thronging about Jesus, meaning they were, they were coming to hear him by the, the thousands. He was becoming a popular preacher, but he looked for more than a superficial adherence. So he intensified his use of parables, stories which yielded their meaning only to those prepared to search for it. The parables demand thought and spiritual earnestness. They separate the sincere seeker from the casual hearer. You you seeing the differences here? Like those who really love Jesus and follow Jesus, they're gonna lean in. They're going to be excited about the word. They're going to lean in. They're going to want more. As they hear it, they're going to want more, Leon says. They're separating the sincere seeker from the casual hearer. This is is separating these parables, the word of the Lord, and, and, and the parables specifically, Separate the real from the fake, the wheat from the chaff, the real deal from those who are just fooling themselves, thinking there's something they're not. Jesus said, narrow is the road to life and few find it. Few, not many. Narrow is the road to life. And very few find it and it's the very few that have a spiritual earnestness this 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 passion to to know Jesus to follow Jesus it's it's the few that like, even right now, maybe, maybe let's just get real. Like in this room right now, it's the, maybe it's the few of us that are like leaning in, man, we're excited. Like we're wanting more, like we're hearing this and we're, we're like, I want to know more. I want to, I want to dive into this and, and, and it's, I, I'm going to keep reading and I'm going to keep stuff because I want to know the Lord. Leon continues to, to, to speak about this passage. He says to them, to the disciples, like to to the authentic followers of Jesus, are revealed the secrets of the kingdom of God. Secrets are truths which we could never discover for ourselves, but which God reveals to us by his spirit. But for others, there is sight without seeing and hearing without understanding. That's scary. That you could be in here this morning and you could hear but not really understand. You could see everything that's going on and be in the room but, but not really experience the Lord and not really understand what's going on. They hear the parables, Leon says, but they do not comprehend their meaning. Parables both reveal and conceal truth. They reveal it to the genuine seeker who will take the trouble to dig beneath the surface and discover the meaning, but they conceal it from him who is content simply to listen to the story. This is plainly the result of the parables, but Jesus also says it is their purpose that the parables themselves are a mine of information to those who are in Earnest, but they are a judgment on the casual and the careless. What what Leon is saying, and I, I, I agree with him here, is that if you're just going to come to church and go through the spiritual routine, you're bringing judgment on yourself. It would be better for you to not even come. Like. If you consider yourself like a religious person because you just kind of show up and you just sit here and you just kind of sit back like an audience and you're just entertained and you're not really leaning in and and you're not really into what we're doing right now, it it would almost be better if you didn't come because you're just hardening your heart as you continue to fool yourself into thinking that you're something that you're not. Leon says, Leon says, the word of the Lord, these parables in particular, they're a judgment on the casual and the careless. You might remember the old nursery song, Old McDonald had a farm, right? And on that farm, he had what? You know, a donkey and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Well, Old Jesus has a farm, right? Old Jesus has a farm. And on that farm, he's got, he's got four different hearts, four different soils. And so let, let's, let's talk about these four kinds of soil, these four types of, of hearts that the soil represents. Number one, on that farm, Jesus has the hard heart. The, the hard heart. If you're following along on our notes, this is where you fill in the blank. You can download our app, the City Church Lubbock on your phone and your app store and click message notes and the verses and the points and everything, and you can fill in the blank as you go. It's a great way to lean in and get more out of our time together. But, but this hard heart represents the, the seed that fell on the footpath. And it's the, the word, Jesus says, that is stolen by Satan. It's the, when the word of the Lord is stoled by Satan because it's been received by a hard heart. And so the seed doesn't go down into the soil. It stays on the surface. And then Satan comes and steals The word of God. You see, when God seeks to speak to humanity, there's a cosmic battle that breaks out. There is a cosmic battle for your heart right now. You, you, you may not see it. So some of you might feel it right now. But, but right now, spiritually speaking, there's a cosmic battle for your heart and for your attention and for your affection right now in this moment. Because every time God speaks through his word, there's this battle that rages and breaks out. Wayne Grudem, popular theologian in our country today, said this, that Satan and his demons always seek to destroy every work of God. And right now, the Lord is trying to work in your heart. And so Satan and his demons are going to work. There's a battle right now. You don't even know it. There's a battle right now raging for your heart, for your attention, for your affection. Ephesians chapter two, Paul said this, that before you gave your life to Jesus, you were actually following your master, the devil. You you weren't just doing your own thing that that if if you have not given your life to Jesus that the scripture actually says it's it's so much worse than you could ever imagine you you're not just rejecting God and kind of doing your own thing paul says in ephesians chapter 2 when you go your own way you're following your master the devil second corinthians 4 paul said this that the god of this age that that's the devil the god of this culture of this of this age until Jesus returns It says this has put a veil over the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the beauty and glory of the cross of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so the devil is at work to steal the word of God, to steal the the seed of the gospel from that hard ground of the footpath from that hard heart. You see, The hard ground of the footpath represents our hard hearts, our unbelieving hearts, the the critical heart, maybe because of pride or maybe because of the love of sin. Jesus said we love darkness rather than light. And so that hard heart that's unbelieving, that's critical, keeps the word of the Lord, keeps the gospel from sinking down into our hearts and Satan comes and, and steals it and so That's why Paul says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. It's absolutely foolish. The the cross is foolish to those who do not believe, but to those who do believe, it's the wisdom and power of God. Paul said that the cross is offensive to the unbeliever. It's offensive. Because anyone who comes to the cross of Christ has to admit that they are a sinner, that they have broken God's law, that they are not a good person, and that they must repent of their sin and give their life to Jesus so that they might be saved from their sin because they can't save themselves. Jesus said, I, I didn't come for those who think they're healthy, for those who think they're righteous. No, I came for those who know they are sick and need a doctor. That the message of the gospel is offensive because you have to say, I'm sick and I need a doctor. I'm sick and there's nothing I can do to save myself, to to heal myself and so the hard heart says no. And Satan comes and steals the seed of the gospel, the word of God. Secondly, we've got the shallow heart. The shallow heart. This is the word that fell on the rocky soil, but, but it had no roots. This is the person who receives the message Jesus says with joy, uh, but maybe they, they, they pray a prayer, Maybe they raised their hand in a service and and they recited some words, a pastor, meaning well had you recite, but maybe you thought by reciting those words, raising your hands and reciting those words, that they were some sort of magical incantation that would make you right with God. And that's not the case. There is no prayer that you repeat. You might be shocked to find there's no prayer that you repeat in the scripture that makes you right with God. That doesn't exist. There's no verse that says, if you raised your hand in a service or came forward in a service, that that means you're right with God. There's no verse like that. Zero. So Jesus says, the person who receives this this message with joy, they're, they're excited about it. But Jesus says there's no roots. There's no objective evidence to prove that this person really is who they say they are. There's been zero spiritual growth since that day. There's no roots that are put down into the word of God, into the family of God, into the church. Jesus would say, you love the food. You love that I could feed you. You love the miracles. mate." Maybe you love the idea of just, you know, not going to hell and getting to go to heaven with your parents and your friends. And so you received it with joy real quick. You recited the words, you lifted the hand, you came forward in the service. But, but those verses are nowhere in the scripture. Today, it would be like those of us who maybe have checked a card, prayed a prayer, raised a hand. We're, we love the, the kind of the, the fluff and the entertainment and maybe for... The, the church to inspire me and make me feel good about myself and kind of supercharge me. But Jesus says, because there's no roots, the, the moment the message begins to be, well, you got to deny yourself and, and die to yourself and, and follow me. The, the truth is really revealed. They, they didn't really want Jesus. They just wanted his stuff. They wanted the fluff, they wanted the food and the miracles, but but you didn't really want me. And so when the message gets tough, like you gotta follow me, you're gonna deny yourself, you're gonna die to yourself, you're gonna follow me. When when the trials come, when when the, the fire comes, it, it it reveals the truth. It reveals the truth of your heart. And Jesus says, so they they fall away. And many scholars, including myself, believe that this person with the shallow heart is not experienced real saving faith. Maybe there was a mental assent there. There was an a, a, agreeance there of some things that were said of some gospel truths. Maybe there was a, a prayer that was recited. Maybe there was a hand that went in the air. Maybe, maybe there was a come forward, uh, you, you came forward a service, but, but there really isn't saving faith here. J- Jesus says in Matthew 15, he talks about people who honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In first John chapter two, John writes about those who went out from us. They received the message with joy initially. Maybe they raised their hand, they prayed their prayer, right? They received the message with joy initially in 1 John 2, but he says they're going out from us, that they're, they're leaving us, shows that they were never really one of us to begin with. It, it wasn't like they received Christ and, and gave their life to Jesus and were saved and now they've lost that salvation. No, John says in 1 John 2, they're going from us, reveals they were never really one of us to begin with. There was never really saving, there was never really that miracle that took place in their heart. They might've acknowledged me with their lips, but their heart was far from me and so they received the message initially with joy excited about all the stuff but they were never really they were never really one of us and that's revealed by when the call of discipleship the challenge of discipleship goes out they're like no that's I I don't want that I just wanted to pray the prayer you know that I, I don't I don't want all this deny and die stuff Or or when the trial hits, oh no, you know, God must not love me, I'm I'm turning away from him, You know he's not doing what I want when I want it. When, When the fire comes, Jesus is saying that it's going to reveal there was never really roots that went down to keep them grounded because they were never really one of us to begin with, John says. John Calvin, a 16th century Reformation leader, theologian, developed a doctrine called perseverance of the saints. And then this doctrine, it describes how authentic followers of Jesus will persevere to the end. That they, they, they might fall, they might screw up, they might engage in some sin, but they're going to be broken over that sin. They're going to turn back to the Lord. They're going to begin to pursue Jesus once again. They don't completely fall away. They may fall, but they don't fall away and turn their back on Jesus. No, they always are coming back. They're always wanting to know Jesus. They're always wanting to worship Jesus and follow Jesus and, and serve Jesus. Jesus, and we see this throughout the scripture. Jesus told some who professed faith in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. John chapter eight, verse 31. In Romans chapter eight, Paul writes, those who are justified will be conformed to the image of the son. Those who've been made right with God, that's what justified means. It's a legal standing that changes between you and God when you give your life to Jesus. And Paul says, those who are justified will be conformed to the image of his son. They will grow to look more and more like Jesus. They will be conformed. They will transform more and more to look like Jesus. Paul writes in Philippians chapter one, verse six, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That God will continue to work in your heart and you will continue to respond to his working in your life and there will be transformation that takes place place there. Paul wrote to the Colossians that those who've been reconciled to God will continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel. The writer of Hebrews reminds his readers that those who've become partakers of Christ will hold fast and stand firm until the end. This is the doctrine called perseverance of the saints that those who become partakers of Christ will hold fast, they will stand firm until the end. However, in Matthew chapter 13, in Matthew's account of this same passage, Jesus says, since they don't have deep roots, they don't last very long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or as soon as they are persecuted for believing God's word. That's the shallow heart. Third, We have on Jesus's farm, the distracted heart, the distracted heart. This is the seed that fell among the thorns, but the word is choked out. It's crowded out. If the above and the shallow heart have fallen away when it gets tough and when they suffer here, we see the turning away is because of pleasure. There's a divided heart. Because This person, this heart loves the stuff of the world. They they seek to add Jesus to their other pursuits, priorities, desires, dreams, and plans. But but Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, verse 24, a person cannot serve both God and wealth. You you can't serve both God and money, both God and power, both God and position, both God and sports, both God and school. You, You can't do it, Jesus says. You're gonna love one and begin to hate the other. These pleasures, these pursuits choke out the seed of the gospel when they become pri- primary so that you don't grow, so that the word of the Lord doesn't, doesn't grow in you. That's why Jesus says to, to, to beware of the worries and the riches of this life because they're deceptive. It's so easy to make them primary. And so a great question to ask yourself, has has work, sports, hobbies begun to determine your spiritual life or do, you, do your spiritual life, do, does your spiritual pursuits determine them? You see, when work and sports and hobbies and other, when they begin to determine your spiritual life, when, when, when those things are the filter through which you grow spiritually rather than the other way around, you know what that's called in the scripture? It's called idolatry. So, so let's just get real here for, 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 for a second. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be real with you. I'm going to be like, just kind of let you in on behind the scenes. Some, some of you know my, my kids love sports. I love sports. My, my son Levi plays uh, football, basketball, and baseball right now as an eighth grader. And this summer, before he goes into high school, he's going to be probably playing football, basketball and baseball all week like every week. That like that that's what they're 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 asking. It's going to be football in the morning to prepare for high school football. It's going to be baseball a lot of evenings, practices and games. Uh he he he's been asked to be on this high school uh, this freshman summer league basketball team uh, just this past week. And so so he we're we're looking at a summer filled with filled with sports. Uh when we got his baseball schedule um in January for this spring and we saw how many term- t- tournaments that his team was going to be playing, we, we realized this isn't gonna work for us. Right, my other son's in baseball, my-, my daughter Nixon is in basketball right now, and gymnastics, so, so we-, we are just like you. And I, I tell you this because I-, I feel the constant pull of all of these things, just like a lot of you do. I feel the constant pull towards this culture and towards this idol. I I feel it in my own heart and and it's something we constantly have to check ourselves on and and, and pray about. So back up to January, February, we get Levi's baseball schedule for the spring and, and summer. And it's almost every weekend from the end of March to the end of July, almost every weekend. And so we sat down with Levi and I just want you to see how kind of this, this works out in in our own life. We, we sat down with Levi and we just said, Hey, um, clearly, clearly it would not be okay as a follower of Jesus to not be with our church family every single weekend from the end of March to the end of July. right? Like cl- clearly that, that would not be okay for any follower of Jesus. So we're, we're sitting down talking about this. And, and so we're saying, we're not trying to be religious. We're just trying to say, Hey, when we have big decisions to make Levi, when, when, when the culture fa- gives us a big decision to make, we, we don't just take it. We, we don't just go with it because that's what the demand is. That's what's asked. Of. We don't just take it. No, we, we pray about it. And in Acts chapter 15, when the early church had a big decision to make, they said, we did, we, we did what seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So, so I said, so, so here's what that looks like. We, we pray about this and we, we talk with other people in our Christian community about this and we see what, what they think. And, and so I said, Levi, I want for the next two weeks because, because you're, you're, he was 14, he just turned 15 this past week. I said, I don't want to just tell you what we're going to do. I want to, you're going to, we're going to involve you in this. So we're all going to pray about this for the next two weeks. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk with some other people that I know and just, and just see what, what they think. And so we took about two weeks to, to pray about this. Uh, and I contacted uh, Brad Ingram, who's a pastor at Hillside, whose kids have been in sports. And I just, Hey, this is what's going on. Uh, what, what do you think about this? And let him speak into it. Uh, I contacted uh, Heath Watts, who's a friend of mine, who's a pastor at church on the rock. And I just said, Hey, what do you think about this? His kids are in, in sports. I contacted another friend of mine, Dusty Thompson, who's a pastor. These guys get it. They know like my life, my schedule, uh, what our family's facing. They, they, they understand. And all their kids have been in sports. Dusty's kids have been in sports. So I said, Hey, Dusty, this is what's going on. I, I talked with some of our staff guys, our elders. And I said, Hey, this is what's going on. Uh, I'm just, I'm praying about this. We're, we're, we're trying to figure this out. And so for a couple of weeks, I was having conversations and so we went back. We, my wife and I sat down with Levi and we said, Hey, this is what's going on. What are you thinking? And, um, Man, he shocked me. And I'm, I don't want to get into percentages because that's too legalistic. He just said, Dad, this is what I think would be okay. And, and uh, I was so proud of him. Because I could tell he really cared. And I don't want to get into... How many weeks we've said it's okay and how many it's not. And, and, and my schedules, I know different from yours. And I, I don't want to get into all that, but, but because we care about the Lord and because we care about our spiritual health and life of our kid, we, we didn't just take this. We said, Hey, this is what's going on. And, and so based on that decision, I had to call his coach and say, hey, this is what we're okay with. And this is what we're going to do. And this is our plan. And I don't know if that'll cost him or not. It could. It could cost him. It could cost him playing time on this team. It could cost him making a high school team. But you know what, my ultimate calling as a parent isn't to raise a division one athlete. It's to raise a disciple of Jesus. Jesus, John rather, in first John chapter two said, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father. It's from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. First John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. So this distracted heart has the word of the Lord, the sea of the God, it's choked out by the deceptiveness of the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. But then finally, fourth, we have the fruitful heart. The fruitful heart. The fruitful heart is the seed that fell on good soil and it patiently, Jesus says this, it patiently produces a harvest. What does that mean? Well, number one, here's what I think it means. It's a lifetime of transformation. It, it, it patiently, in the fruitful heart, you, you receive the word of the Lord and then there's a, a patiently producing of a harvest over a lifetime. And, and first of all, Jesus makes it clear. This is a lifetime of, of transformation. Jesus says that the fruitful heart, the, the one that receives the, the word of the Lord and it goes down and it puts down some roots in that good soil. Here's what Jesus says about that person. They cling to the word of the Lord. They, they cling to it. They want more. They want more. They get some of the word of God and they just want more. They cling to the word of the Lord. And then Jesus makes it clear that they obey the word of the Lord. Jesus' mother and brothers, and so they're, they're coming for him. They're looking for him. They want to talk with him. And Jesus tells his disciples, my, my mother and brother, my family are those who hear my word and obey it. That's, that's how you know my family. That's how you know the real from the fake. They, They cling to the word of God. They want more of the word of God and they obey the word of the Lord. They apply it to their life. They submit themselves under the word. They don't stand over it and criticize the word of the Lord. No, a disciple of Jesus submits themselves under the word of the Lord and they obey it. That's Jesus says, my mother and my brothers, those who obey the word of the Lord. You ever ask your kids to do something and they don't do it? And what do you do? You go back. Hey, um, I asked you to take out the trash. I heard you. No, because there's, there's still some trash here. You're right. I mean, the trash is still full. Like you didn't do, well, I heard you. Well, no, no, you didn't hear me. Because you didn't do it right, we, we 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 know they hurt us when when they do what we told them to do right, and and so Jesus says, my my family, the 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 this lifetime of transformation is clinging to the word of the Lord, and then and then doing what it says, and then and then secondly, in this fruitful heart, we see a lifetime of multiplication. There's, there's transformation. They patiently produce a harvest, a harvest of transformation. That, that's discipleship, that's growth, that's spiritual growth, clinging to the word, wanting more of the, the word of the Lord and obeying it. But then this harvest is also a lifetime of multiplication. Jesus says that there will be a, a harvest. This is referring to souls that will be harvested as a result of your faith. As a result of you going out and making disciples of Jesus yourself, you will produce a harvest. And and we know, and and he even makes it even more clear that that when you have a light, when you have a lamp, you don't put it under a bed, you don't hide it. no, No, you put it up on a stand so that everyone can see, so that everyone can enjoy the light. Jesus is talking here about being a witness for Christ. You're going to shine the light of the gospel. You're going to produce a harvest as you go out and make disciples. All disciples go out and make disciples. You're not hiding anything. No, you know, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter five, that you are an ambassador for Christ as though God were making his appeal to the world through you, Not, not just through me. But through all of us, through you, God is making his appeal to the world through you. You are his ambassador, Paul says. So so it's like when you get baptized and you come up out of that water, you're just baptized into your mission field as a missionary for Christ. And you might be wondering, how, how do I do that? Well, the same way Jesus did, connecting with people, loving people, serving people, blessing people, praying for people, inviting people to, to come hear the gospel, inviting people to church with you, and then sharing the good news about Christ yourself. When the seed falls on good soil, it goes down, it bears roots that go down, and as a result, there's a harvest. There's, there's fruit that is born. as people enjoy the light of the gospel that's shining forth from you, not just from me and from us together. So there's a lifetime of transformation, a lifetime of multiplication that is evidenced in this fruitful heart. You see, here's the big idea today. Justification always produces sanctification. When, when When you're justified, you're made right with God because you give your life to Jesus, your sin is forgiven. And there's a legal change that happens. You're you're a sinner, you're condemned by God because you've broken his law. But when you give your life to Jesus, your sin is forgiven because of what Jesus did for you on that cross, you're made right with God You can know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven. Not because of anything you done. No, no, you've been justified by the blood of Jesus, by the cross of Christ. And when Christ rose from the grave, he conquered your sin and conquered your death. So now you're you're justified. That's a legal standing before God that cannot be changed. But when this has really happened in your heart, when this really has happened in your life, here's what always happens as a result. Sanctification, you begin to grow. All those who've been justified, remember what Paul said in Romans 8, are conformed to the image of the Son. They're sanctified. They begin to look more and more like Jesus. It's why Paul told believers in almost every church, live a life worthy of the calling that you've received because this is the calling that you've received. So, so now we're gonna live a life worthy of that calling. We're gonna grow in Christ. Justification always produces sanctification. You might be saying, well, wait a second. Wait a second, Clayton. Listen, I got saved. I checked the card, I raised my hand, I went forward in the service, right? I, I, I even got baptized. Like, like I got saved, like that's, that's a done deal. And, and here's what I, this passage is saying. We'll see. Time will tell. If you were really the real deal, professions never equal conversion. You might've professed Christ by checking a box or raising a hand or going for it, but, but a profession doesn't always equal conversion. Jesus says in this illustration about this lamp, this light, that everything is gonna be brought into the light, that you will stand before God and the truth will be made known. Time will tell. The true condition of your heart, of my heart, will eventually be revealed. Generally speaking, even spiritually, time will tell. Time and truth go hand in hand. So old Jesus has a farm. And on that farm, he's got the hard heart. He's got a shallow heart. He's got the distracted heart and he's got the fruitful heart. As you examine your own heart, which one are you? Where are you at this morning? You see the the good heart, the good soil, the believer is constantly examining where their heart is at, repenting of their sin, their spiritual apathy and, and, and wrestling with the other three, right? Even as a follower of Jesus, I, I'm, I'm wrestling with the other three constantly. God, I, I don't want my heart to become hard to you, like soften my, my heart. God, I, I don't wanna be shallow in my faith. Ha, 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 am I putting down roots? Am I, am I growing in the word of God? Am I growing in my church family? Is my heart distracted by the deceitfulness of wealth and hobbies and sports and all these? Have I been, have I been deceived into idolatry, God? So, so the, the good heart, the fruitful heart producing a lifetime of transformation and multiple is constantly examining their hearts, repenting and wrestling with these other three hearts. But the non-believer, they're just given over to each one of those hearts. There's no wrestling there. It just defines their life. And even right now, Satan is seeking to steal the word that you've received. Even now there's a a temptation to not go deeper, to not take a next step, to not take that step of faith to go deeper in Christ to go deeper in your church family because it's gonna hurt. There's gonna be a challenge there. Maybe this isn't as inspiring or as entertaining as you would like it to be. Some of you are leaning in. Some of you are wanting more. Jesus says, be careful how you hear this morning pay attention to how you're hearing. Like even like right now, like are you, are you leaned in? Have you, have you leaned in kind of in our time together? It means you're gonna keep leaning in probably. It means you want more. But on the other hand, some of us are bored and uninterested. And the warning is, if that's you, even what you think you have will be taken. Would you pray with me? Just every head bowed, every eye closed, just kind of a moment between you and the Lord right now. 1 John 2 says they're they're going from us prove that they were never really one of us. Are, are you are you one of us? Or, or, or as I as I talk about some of these things this morning, each one of these hearts are you're like, "Man, that's I don't have that same desire and passion to follow and know Jesus and to worship Jesus and to serve like that's just not me like it would be better for you just to be real with yourself and instead instead of just stop instead of keep deceiving yourself fooling yourself you need to be real with the Lord right now are you one of us and maybe you're like man I know I'm not then today is your day to give your life to Jesus right now. That you might be justified, right with God, forgiven of your sin. Give your life to Jesus right now in this moment. And if that's you, jump on our app, fill our connect form and let us know that you're giving your life to Jesus today. God, we thank you for the word of the Lord. And God, I pray that this seed the seed of the gospel, the the seed of even this word in particular that we've received here today would would go down into our hearts. It would would begin to grow roots and it would go down deep and it would bring transformation and, and then multiplication, God, out of our lives. God, we thank you for this word and for this warning to be careful how we hear. God, I pray that right now in this moment through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would give us Just like Jesus said, a desire for more. That we would lean in and we would keep leaning in and we would cling to your word, wanting more and more. Holy Spirit, do that in our hearts right now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?